I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Folks, hello. It is another game day, which means that you get another thrilling edition of checking out the competition with me, Kelly. And this time, I am joined by my new friend, Matt Lucas, who is the site manager of Second City Hockey, which is the Blackhawks blog on the SB Nation Network, if you're not familiar. So if you ever want to find out some stuff about the the Blackhawks, be sure to check them out. Um, They do some good work over there. And Matt's new, so I'm assuming that they're going to get even better. Um, Matt, how are you today? Doing pretty well. Hi, Philly fans. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Looking forward, to, looking forward to Saturday's matinee. It should be fun. I don't, do you like an afternoon game? I like an afternoon game. Yeah, I, I love it because it's national TV broadcast, right? With Doc yeah. and Rick, hopefully. He's one of my favorite announcers, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, I kind of like, you know, get the hockey out of the way in the afternoon. You got your whole day ahead of you. It's good stuff. A lot of people don't Absolutely. like it. Yeah. So, obviously... We're talking to a Blackhawks guy here. <laughs> kind of feels like we have to start with the obvious question. Yeah, you, I know what's coming. <laughs> that small thing that happened for you guys this week. Um, Joel Quenville got fired. Which, Who's that again? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had like a, I think he was the coach. He had like a really cool mustache and he seemed like a nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy. So, I'll just throw some questions at you. What were your... Sure. Initial- thoughts to the firing was it a surprise for you guys did you see this coming or was this something that you thought was on the horizon sure initially i was uh, pretty upset and kind of in shock you know q is a legend and one of the best coaches in the history of the nhl and you know i did not think that he would ever be fired in the middle of the season even if you know the season started off really really poorly i thought that was for sure gonna be bowman or somebody else in the front office you know just because of quinville's cv he has so much success in this league, and he's going to be a, for sure, Hall of Famer. Um, I thought they would at least give him the respect, you know, kind of, you know, let him play out the season and see how it goes. Um, but after this five-game losing streak, they had, you know, five or six games off, or six days off, and they decided to make a decision. And you know what? We'll see what happens. I, I'm liking this Carlton guy. He's a fresh, young mindset for the group of veterans and some young players that have been playing for him in Rockford before. So I'm looking forward to tonight's game, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of the new guy. Was he the AHL coach for you guys? Yeah, so he, he's yeah. been in coaching in Europe for a couple of years, and he was brought into Rockford. He's a former player. He was playing. He played for the Highlanders. Um, he has a pretty solid CV and prior experience of coaching, like I said. And he has lots of really good reviews from former players, mostly the younger guys. And he's, he's really high, highly motivated to win, similar to Quinville. You know, to Quinville, winning was everything. And uh, you know, Taze and Keith and Kane always talk about how after every single win, even in the regular season, Quinville was, you know, partnering up with the with the guys, dancing in the locker room and having a lot of fun. So he's gonna bring in that same mindset, and he's also bringing in a new, you know, fresh mindset when it comes to utilizing analytics a little bit more. He, in his first year at Rockford, he started using analytics a lot more than the previous coaches, yeah. and he also was a really good communicator and mentor for younger players. Um, he was really relatable. And hopefully that, 
you know, being able to communicate with all the guys, especially the veterans on the team, will help, you know, light a fire under some of these Hawks that are underperforming. And I'm really excited to see how he does. Yeah, I guess, like, losing a guy like Quinville obviously sucks, but it is always fun to get some new blood in. And yeah, see. absolutely. Initially, it was, you know, like I said, it was I was kind of in shock, and so was, you know, all of Chicago, you know. Yeah. All my friends were texting me. You know, everyone at the office was talking about it. You know, Quinville's. I really hope that they do something really special for him because he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, and he brought us three Stanley Cups and, you know, a dynasty um, that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Um, so I really hope they at least give him a shot to come back to the UC uh, and, you know, give us, give us a second as a fans and kind of give him a thank you, a proper thank you. And I really hope that happens soon. Yeah, I was actually really surprised, um, like in the days following the firing, how many players I saw on Twitter, like just Dan Carcillo in particular, went off. On yeah. How yeah, much, I saw that. Yeah, it was like really touching how much Quenville meant to him and the kind of support that he got from him as a coach. It's not Usually you don't see that kind of thing when these guys get fired. It was kind of remarkable, which I thought was pretty cool. And one of the... One of the things that I remember seeing from Priscilla was he talked a lot about how Quinville, there was a couple of times where uh, he, you know, quote, saved his life. And that was a really special read for me. He talked about how Steve Mondor, when he passed away, Carcillo went on the ice for warmups. He just was really emotional and just was really sad and just felt like he couldn't play. So he went to Quinville's office before the game, even though he was slotted in the lineup. And he said, you know, I just, I'm not feeling it tonight. I don't think I can play. And Quinville, you know, gave him a hug, embraced him, you know, cried with him a little bit. And, and told Carcillo, it's okay, just go, go take your clothes off and go go figure it out and, you know, take some time for yourself. So I think a lot of a lot of the guys were talking about how relatable he was and how brave a man he was. And I, I'm it's sad to see him go, but it's a new chapter for the Hawks, and I'm looking forward to it. So after I was reading up a bit, some random articles, I think on, on your guys' site and just kind of around um, – about the firing, and it seemed like the president of the team seemed, McDonough, yeah. Yeah, seemed to pretty firmly indicate that Stan Bowman's job is safe. Um, what it, but I, I mean, I, I know that obviously coaches are going to get fired before a GM gets fired almost every time. Um, yeah. But the thing that, that really gets me is, is that you could really argue that Bowman is the problem. I mean, he's kind of, He's made a, a few really bad trades. Like, I'm sure if you guys had Panarin, that would that would be better. Um, he's kind of... Don't, he, don't make me start to cry. <laughs> I miss... The, the chemistry between Panarin and King was off the charts. I haven't yeah. seen something like that for a long time. So that was definitely a tough trade. Um, to talk about, you know, Bowman a little bit, I, I definitely think that he's on the hot seat. Um, you know, like you said, the Panarin trade was just kind of like the first head scratcher that started a number of other trades and signs that didn't really make sense. You know, I didn't really get the Qnits and Manning signings. I'm not sure what you guys thought of Manning, but so far I'm not very impressed. He just seems like uh, he thinks he's Kane out there. Sometimes trying to deke on the blue line and stick handle in his own zone instead of just making quick plays and getting the puck off the wall and getting it out. Um, and, you know, Kunitz's career has been over for a couple of years now, and he's been pretty irrelevant in the majority of games so far. And, Maybe he brought him in to kind of give a veteran presence for some of the younger guys because he does have four rings. Uh, but I just don't see him, you know, doing much else other than having a couple of shots once a game and having a good Corsi percentage uh, every once in a while. But 
I think Bowman needs to make a dramatic move near the deadline that works in his favor to kind of regain the trust of the organization and fans. Um, I've wiped his draft picks recently. We've been stocking up on some high-skilled D prospects. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, I just really think he needs to make a big move. Um, fans have been waiting for that for a couple of years now. And I don't want to see Taze and Kane, you know, get to 33, 34, and we still haven't really gone all in. Um, I want him to go all in and I want him to not waste the prime of some of our core guys that, you know, have only a couple years left. So listen, Matt, I need you to check your privilege a little bit because you had those three cups with those guys. So yeah. <laughs> one of them, sorry about 20 times. I was going to say, yeah, one of them I was in the building for and it destroyed my entire life. So thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm going to hold you personally responsible for that one. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was a goal for the first 20 seconds. I, I'm just going to tell you the story. I've told it a million times, but it makes me laugh every time. So I went to this game by myself. I was sitting upstairs. Next to me was a dad and a kid from Toronto. And this dad, apparently, he told me that he takes his kid to one Stanley Cup final game every year, which is, like, pretty much the coolest thing I've ever heard. So this little kid and, and his dad are next to me. I'm sitting there watching the game. The thing happens. The guy turns to me and goes, oh, sorry about that. And then he gets up and leaves. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like looking. I'm like, why Why did everybody stop playing? What's What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it took a while, I think, for the building to realize what Announcers didn't know it. I mean, Sharp, I remember seeing Sharpie, uh, Patrick Sharp. He went crazy because he was right on this. He was in like a perfect angle to see the puck go in. Yeah. So Patrick Sharp. Kane knew it was in, and then everybody on the bench was just kind of like, do we actually go celebrate? Because we, it would be awful to do all that celebration, especially a celebration for the Stanley Cup, which is something every single player dreams about for the entire life. And then having to dial that emotion back if it was, you know, not a goal yeah. and have to play yeah. and play for, for a cup again. So it's just, it was an amazing day for, you know, the Hawks franchise. How are you? And, and start, start, yeah, sorry, the dynasty. You guys have something special going on. You got some young talent coming up, and you never know. You'll see what yeah. happens with the Flyers. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so now to get out of your front office and onto your ice. Um, one of the guys I wanted to talk about is Brandon Saad, um, who's been kind of a staple for you guys for a long time. And his production dropped off pretty dramatically um, from 53 points in 2016-17 to 35 last season. Seems like he's not scoring a lot this season either. Um do you expect that he'll ever get back to where he was, or do you think this is just the new normal for Brandon Saad? So I think uh, judging him by his point total is a little tough. Um, sure, like he was such a solid player um, with us in 2013 to 2015, and I really think the big part of that was because he was with two future Hall of Famers, Taze and Hosa, all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, in my opinion, I, I think Saad's just gotten really unlucky over the past two seasons. He's like if you've been watching the games and you just go by, if you don't have been watching the games and you just go by his point totals, you're kind of like, okay, well, he's, he's really regressing. Yeah. But from what I've been seeing, he's been hitting an absurd number of posts and has just gotten a lot of bad bounces. And maybe the hockey guys are punishing him for all the puck luck he got in you know, 2013, 2015, but his possession metrics so far are pretty favorable. And the past two weeks, I'm starting to see some flashes of his old self out there. So if he can get some bounces and start bearing the puck, I think there's a really good chance he can get back to, you know, maybe 45, to 55 points a year and that's all you can really ask for he has he plays a solid game he's a big body he's really really great strength in front of the net he's a good tipper when on power plays and he just battles hard in the corners and i think he's honestly just has been getting really unlucky and i could see him having a little bit of resurgence here for the next month or two yeah i mean i would think 45 50 points you'd be pretty happy with that's not 
not bad. At all. Oh, absolutely. We have, yeah. we have Kane and, and Taze and, and all those other guys kind of take over for the plane totals and different, yeah. cat, different cat. <laughs> okay. So um, just as a caveat, we are recording this on Thursday night for the game Saturday. So these numbers might change a little bit, but for right now, um, like the Flyers, the Hawks are struggling on their special teams. Um, as of right now, you guys are 27th in power play percentage and 23rd on the penalty kill. Um, Those aren't fun numbers. Yeah, not as bad as us, but not great. <laughs> so what do you attribute these struggles to? Um, so for the for the power play, there's just way too many players standing around. On the breakout, most of the time, they're, you know, three, two or three Hawks, the opposite blue line, kind of standing still and taking up some space. And everyone knows that the puck is going to Kane or Schmaltz on a draft pass. Um, Pat Foley absolutely hates this breakout, and a lot of fans do too. And I'm not really liking that much either. Um, what I think we need to do is start mixing it up on our breakouts. You know, have the regroup of three to four players that all come come up the ice together and regroup with speed. It's way too easy for the killers on the other team to kind of just block the lanes. And when most of the PP units are standing around, it's it's really easy to tell where the puck is going. So all they have to do is just focus on Kane, whoever else is going to get the drop pass, whether that be Schmaltz or Taze, and just time their forecheck. And without clean entries, we're not going to be able to get our units set up, and you won't see any significant increase in our success rate. So there's way too much talent on our team, and you know, not being successful on our power play is just un unsuccess or it's just something that just can't happen. We have Taze, Kane, Seabrook, Keith, Debrinkat, Smaltz. We just have way too much talent, and I really do think it comes down to our breakout in our zone entry, because like once we set up our, we have a one-three-one um, power play formation, and Honestly, once we get set up, it looks pretty solid. Uh, I've noticed that we've been losing a ton of face-offs also when we're in um, the offensive zone, and that immediately causes, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds to get taken off the clock. Um, so if we can start creeping that face-off percentage back to, you know, above 50%, uh, it will give us a chance to set up right away in the zone and, and give us more time in, the, in the, the danger areas of the ice. And hopefully that will, you know, increase our power play success rate over time. How's, what about the penalty kill? What's going on there? Sure. Um, so I'm really liking the Taze and Sod unit. They've looked really good lately. They're really solid at getting the puck out and, and keeping their sticks in lanes. Um, they've even had like a number of chances recently to score a shorty. Uh, okay. In the past few games, they've had some really good, you know, odd man breaks. Taze even had a breakaway, I think. I don't think it was against the Flames. I think it was a game before that. But anyways, the D, I think the D just need to do a better job of clearing out the bodies um, from in front of the net. Uh, we don't really have much size on the back end, so it's a little tough. But it just seems like there's too many times that point shots get through and there's two or three guys waiting just for the rebound. And it's impossible for Crawford or Ward to, to stop that, you know, bang, bang play. Uh, we can't give them too much space either. It seems like we're giving a lot of the guys on the wall for the opposing team a lot of space. I think we need to start attacking them and forcing them to go down low and behind the net where they can't really hurt us. And if we can be a bit more aggressive, win more battles in front, and disguise our you know penalty kill box setup and confuse the other team, I can definitely see our PK getting back to above average rates because we have Marcus Kruger, who's also a PK specialist, but he's been getting a lot of penalties lately. Mm. So if we can dial that back a little bit, and we can have you know two or three solid units on the PK, and they can be a little bit more aggressive, be a little bit stronger in front, I think we can start seeing a lot more success. Yeah, that's the thing with us too. Our, our power play is just way, or our penalty kill is just way too passive. And you would think that, I don't know, did you guys keep your assistant coaches? Are they the same? No. So we, we got rid of Ulf Samuelson and Kevin Deneen. And Kevin Deneen was kind of the guy that took over the power play okay. and the uh, PK strategy. So I think 
a lot of people have been calling for his head um, for a long time now because, like I said, we have way too much talent to be so brutal on the power play lately. So maybe this new uh, coach, Collinson, and his assistants will kind of shape up, shake things up a bit and light a fire under these really talented guys and just be like, you know what? We got to stop doing the drop pass uh, entry. We can do it once in a while, but we got to disguise it. And we should try some new um, breakouts and regroups and just get some more clean entries and and work our butts off in the in, in those zone. Yeah, that's another good thing about about the fresh start. You get a new look in a number of places, which yeah, yeah, I've noticed that in a lot of the practices recently. They've the last three days, two days since uh, Q got fired, they've been working on completely working on breakouts, zone entries, and just setting up in the zone. And we'll see what happens tonight. I'm I'm pretty excited to see if there's any improvement on the power play. Who do you guys play tonight? Um, we're playing uh, Carolina, so it's gonna, they're both we're both on five game losing streaks. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes up top. And also Scott Darling is is starting for the for the Hurricanes tonight, and he was our you know former All Star yeah. backup who saved our playoff series against Nashville. Um, so it's going to be good seeing him in that again. Yeah, that'll be a fun game. Okay, so. One question I ask everybody that I always think is fun is for you to give me one player who Flyers fans may not know the name of who is flying under the radar, but that you think could be an impactful player in the game on Saturday. So there's these two guys that um, switch off uh, most nights, but they're usually fourth liners. And one name is John Hayden and the other name is Andreas Martinson. I really think they're going to have an impact on the fourth line in uh, in Philly. Um, depending on who plays, it could either be Hayden or Martinson. Lately, it's been Martinson a lot, but they both have really great work ethics. They uh, finish their checks really well. They're both big bodies and have a little bit of skill with them. They can screen the goalie, score check hard, and they're just really good at disrupting plays. And they're just solid fourth liners. And I can see them really having a big game with a few strong hits to like kind of swing the momentum to the Hawks' way, especially yeah. in enemy territory. And uh, I could see one of them tucking a uh, grinder type goal on a rebound. So I would, I would, I would watch out for uh, John Hayden and or, or Martinson, whoever plays that night, or okay. on the matinee. Excellent information. I did not know either of those names, so good stuff. Um, any particular flyer that you look forward to seeing when our teams meet? Sure, it's a little cliche, but I really like watching Giroux play. He's yeah. he honestly is one of the best in the game, and his hockey IQ, you know, his vision, his shot are just top notch. Uh, he's a really dangerous player with the puck and without the puck. And I, as a hockey, as a former hockey player, I still play in beer leagues, but I, I really respect his game. Yeah. And I hope Keith and Jokaru are put out there as much as possible when he's on the ice. Cause like I said, he's very dangerous. And I also like the way, uh, Konecki plays. Is that how you say, is that how you pronounce his name? Travis, Travis Konecki. Yeah. Konecki. Yeah. He's yeah. just, you know, he's a smaller guy. So yes, you utilize his speed a little bit more and his puck protection skills to make an impact. But honestly, whenever I get a chance to watch a Flyers game, his number is always, you know, I'm always noticing his number and I'm always noticing just kind of flying around, you know, wreaking havoc and just, you know, making plays. And I really like watching him a lot. So I'm not, do they play on the same line together, him and Drew, or are they on separate lines? Usually they're on the same line. We would prefer that he were always on the top line with Drew. Yeah. Sometimes. Chuck and him kind of switch things up. Yeah, um, depending on how things are going at that Got it. moment. <laughs> Got um, it. Yeah, so I really like those two guys. So um, I'm looking forward to the game. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, when the Drew Couturier Konechny line is together and clicking, it's 
a lot of fun to watch. It was super fun last season. So I'm hoping that they get some time to stay together and find that chemistry again because it was super fun. Maybe looking forward to that. Uh, Hopefully they have that first line together because that would be a really good rival against our – we have Cahoon, Taze, and Debrinkat right now playing on the first line. So that'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that would be a nice matchup. Okay, last thing. Give me a shot-in-the-dark prediction for Saturday afternoon's game. Well, you know I got to say Hawks win. Um, it's a, obligatory, but um, I, I really think the Hawks are going to win 3-1. Uh, you know, Crawford's going to stand on his head and play, play like Jimmy Craig out there. Uh, but Kane's going to have a goal and assist, I hope. He's going to bring back some scars from 2010 for Flyers oh. fans. <laughs> oh. uh, Hawks are going to capitalize on the power play. And I really think they're going to start playing with some fire after Q got canned. And they're, you know, they're kind of all playing for the jobs next year yeah. other than the core guys. So I could see this as a start of a really solid streak of 10 games for the Hawks. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. I love Saturday afternoon games. And um, the Flyers are a really awesome team. And I'm looking forward to it. All right. So I'm going to say, so the Flyers are playing tonight as well. Um, their first game back at home after a trip out West. And they've been um, pretty horrible at home this season so far. So it'll yeah, be. I saw those stats. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight if they can start to turn that around. If tonight goes terribly, I am pretty sure that Saturday is probably going to go terribly as well. If they're able to find something tonight, I could see maybe the Flyers winning like a super close, like four, three overtime type of thing. Yeah, the Hawks are very used to overtime. They've yeah. they broke the record, I think, for uh, most overtimes in consecutive games. It was crazy. Yeah, it was so nerve wracking. It was so nerve wracking. <laughs> I mean, there's not a chance we're going to run away with. I mean, even with you guys playing poorly, I just can't see a situation in which this Flyers team at this moment like just walks all over the Blackhawks. But you never know. Yeah. So I'm going to say four three Flyers overtime. Got it. We'll see what happens. Well, good luck. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, so that's all I have for you, Matt. Thank you again for doing this. Um, see Matt's face, but he has an absolutely spectacular Movember mustache going on that deserves recognition, I think. I appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, so we've got Saturday, 1 o'clock. It'll be on NBC nationally, so everybody will get to watch it. That's all I got for you, Matt. Thank you again. Let's go Flyers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.